These days, a lot of people are learning about the benefits of fasting, like weight loss, mental and physical performance, gut health, but they worry about the whole not eating part. Well, that's exactly why Prolon was created. Prolon is a revolutionary plant-based nutrition program that nourishes the body while making cells believe they're fasting, giving you all the benefits. This has been researched and developed for decades at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute and backed by leading U.S. medical centers. Prolon helps promote healthy blood sugar, support cardiovascular health, and reduce abdominal fat. But Prolon isn't a diet, it's science. Science based on Nobel Prize winning discoveries in medicine. And it all starts with Prolon's five-day program. Snacks, soups, beverages all designed to keep your body in a fasting state. If I was going to start a nutrition program, Prolon is exactly what I'd use. Convenience backed by Nobel-winning science that works. Right now, Prolon is offering Beyond the To-Do List listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash beyond. That's P-R-O-L-O-N-L-I-F-E dot com slash beyond for this special offer. That's prolonlife.com slash beyond. and welcome back to Beyond the To-Do List. I'm Eric Fisher, and this is a podcast about not just helping you be more productive, but to find the real meaning of productivity, living a meaningful life. I am ecstatic to welcome back to the show again, my friend, Jeff C. He is a speaker, a visual marketing consultant. He hosts the show Social Media News Live, and he has also worked with and produced a wide range of content for various companies, including Guy Kawasaki, Kim Garst, Social Media Examiner, and Tailwind. This right here is the first in a series of three. This is the first in a series of three episodes I'm going to be releasing, not all at once, but over the next couple of weeks and couple of months that Jeff and I had. We sat down and we talked about creativity, which is what we dive into in this conversation. And then in a future episode, we're going to talk about repurposing and in a future episode beyond that, we are going to talk about AI and AI tools. But I mentioned creativity. That's what this conversation focuses on. We're going to talk about the importance of fostering curiosity and cultivating diverse inputs to inspire your creativity. But then we also talk about a system for capturing and organizing ideas, dipping into Tiago Forte's Building a Second Brain and his PARA system, P-A-R-A. But then also we talk about creative rituals, including journaling and tools like the Pomodoro technique. And then we also touch on napping for creativity and productivity and effective napping routines. And also we talk about the significance of humor and laughter to enhance your creativity and productivity. This conversation is packed with so much. I'm just going to get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Jeff C. All right. Well, I want to jump into a conversation about creativity for business people. This is one of the things that I think business people, they get started. They have this flurry rush of intense passion. That's what caused them to, one, have the original idea, but two, start the business. And some people, they constantly get ideas, but they don't know where to park them. They don't know how to mold them, move them, mesh them. But my friend, Jeff C., who is a studier of creativity and a practitioner, I would say, is here to talk about 
creativity for business people. Jeff, I want to start by asking you the question, how do you define creativity, especially in the context of business building and creation? You know, it's funny you ask that because a lot of people say, like, I'm not creative. When they think of creativity, they think of like Leonardo da Vinci and these, you know, the pop artists on there. And I really do believe that everybody has a creative bone in their body. I mean, accountants can be creative. Teachers are especially creative. You talk to any kindergarten teacher, they're some of the most creative people that you see on the planet. There's a stigma like you have to be this like this starving artist or like go and learn at the feet of the masters to be a creative person. And I just don't think that's true. I think creativity is actually just taking things that, you know, and looking around you and coming up with ideas and taking things kind of outside of the box. You try to condition yourself and use different processes and think of new ideas to apply to your business like What can I do different outside of the competition? You know, getting more people to see my product. Creativity is just using the years of wisdom and what you've learned in school and in your experience and kind of putting them in a blender and taking them out into a a different form or function. That's a great definition. You didn't give like a creativity is this and this and this and this equals this. Like there's no math equation because again, that's partly why creativity is such a a hard thing to wrangle, to pull together. I think one of the things that you kind of addressed there and brought up in a way is that creativity and business are not opposing things. I think, you know, there's the whole, oh, you sold out, you know. But I think that's the thing is like most business owners, they get into their business because they're passionate about the idea. They were creative and they want to make money and or serve all of the above. There's all those different reasons. I think one of the things that most people don't realize is that we're very familiar with the term Patreon or the the service Patreon these days. And that's kind of a morphing of the word patron. And I mean, Michelangelo was paid to create his art. His patrons gave him the money, and then he went off and did the thing. And so commerce has been part of this the whole time. So it really needs to be unstigmatized. There's a great book about this, Jeff Goins, Real Artists Don't Starve, I think is what it's called. But we can throw that in the show notes. It's a great destigmatizing book for entrepreneurs and business owners. It helps creatives that know they're creative get into the business side of things, but it also helps business people tap into their creativity. Day in, day out, though, I think the thing is, is yeah, you've got some people that have ideas all the time, but what about problem solving with that creativity? That's really what we're being creative about is we're creative about a problem and coming up with a solution for customers. So one of the things that I think one of the best things to do to be creative in any business is not just to look to your competitors. So if you're a flower shop, you don't just look at the florists and see what they're doing, what their ad copy is, what they're doing to bring in customers. What you need to go look at is the amusement park. How is Disney getting people in their doors? How is people, when they first come into a Disney store, what are their eyes drawn to first? It's looking at these other industries and taking those ideas and tools and things that they're being successful with and applying those to your business. Like I was saying with the flower shop, looking at amusement park, do they have certain sounds that they're using? Are there smells that, you know, you're a flower shop, you probably should smell pretty good. You know, you should probably have some of those good smelling flowers at the front when people first come into your store. You might want to have a big display. But what what things can you take from Disney and apply it to your business? I just use Disney because everybody knows of Disney and they're famous for their customer service. But there have been books written about 
how Disney really analyzes its customer service, analyzes its traffic, what people see. They invented the smell. I think it's a smellizer where they actually pipe in smells on their rides and actually out in their food courts and stuff like that, that other industries have taken now and using for their own purposes. So I think the best thing to, you know, get those creative juices going is not just to go look at the people who are, you know, in the, you know, I, the same IBMs, the same, you know, Dell computers, but look outside of the box. And Apple is famous for doing this. They do a lot of studies on different things and try to apply it into their design and, you know, the way they do business. It sounds to me like we want to create a kind of workflow, a creative workflow, not in terms of the output, but in terms of the input. And you want to kind of foster a curiosity, not just about your own kind of niche or industry, whatever your business is, but about the world and how people are right. putting themselves for what, you know, what they're doing, how they're doing it, have constant kind of news feed, if you will, or curated news feeds. How do you do that? How do you select your inputs? Cause we all know we can go to the internet and it's just an overwhelming fire hose. Exactly. Well, first of all, do things that interest you. I mentioned Disney because I think they're one of the most creative companies there are out there. You mentioned Jeff's Goins book that you mentioned earlier. One of my favorite books about creativity for businesses is Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, who is one of the founders of Pixar. And it's not only a great book about creativity in the workplace, but also how you manage creative teams. But he has something that he talks about. And I'm going to kind of segue to teams because teams are a big part of where you find different ideas because when you have a group of people, the more diverse and the more people that you can get to come up with those ideas, the better and more creative that those ideas will be. So he has a quote in there. If you give a good idea to a mediocre team, they will screw it up. If you give a mediocre idea to a brilliant team, they will either fix it or throw it away and come up with something better. I love that idea of, you know, you ask how I get my ideas. Well, one of the things is I ask other people. I'm in different groups. I'm in different masterminds. The more stimulus you can get from, you know, varied parts of the world, the more creative you are. And that way you're able to take things from different areas and apply them. Like I love to do wood carving. I also like music. I'm not just, you know, this guy. I have all these multiple things. The same way with your business. Look outside of those things. Get your team involved in creative projects. You don't have to sit there and hold hands and sing Kumbaya or whatever, but you can have creative things that they can do and then applaud them and give them the reins and freedom to be creative in their work. Cause a lot of times the atmospheres I've seen in business can be very, very stifling and like, yeah, we want you to be creative, but then they really don't. They want you to do what you've always done. And that's just going to give you the same old, same old and not you let you kind of go to the next level with your business and also creativity. Now, I know that a lot of business owners probably find themselves, as far as from the experiences that I've seen and heard interacting with them, they feel like they're on a spectrum and not necessarily in between. They either feel like I had that one great original idea and now I have none, or I have all these ideas constantly like the fire hose and they don't know what to do with them because they've got so many and they can't act on any or all of them. What would you prescribe to both ends of the spectrum there? So one of the things, and this goes back to the, the Creativity Inc. book, is that you want to fail often. You know, you've heard that fail forward. Everybody says it's kind of a thing. But to try those things and like, once again, if you have a team, try them and, you know, move quickly. Like, especially if you have a bunch of ideas and you don't know which one is going to resonate with your audience or your leads that you're trying to get into your business. So you've got to put stuff out there. And then when you start seeing some traction, move quickly 
and put out more content or, or move in that direction that's working. If you're stuck for like ideas, like, you know, a lot of our friends and a lot of people probably listening are either solopreneurs or they're really small business and they're like almost getting like, okay, I had one great idea. I don't know what to do next. Like if you're putting together a video series, like I got this great idea and it went really well. And then like, oh, dang it. Now what, what do I do? And the best thing I would say is to get out and get into a different environment for a while. If you're able to take your team and go even on like uh, you know, meet at lunch at somewhere else, you don't have to like go buy a big retreat and go out there and spend all this money. If you could just change your environment for a little bit, especially if you could go outside or you could do something creative together, even if it's something like, okay, we're going to play win, lose, or draw today during this time. And we're going to come up with these ideas. One of my favorite creative uh, geniuses is Duncan Wardle. He was the head of innovation at Disney. He's got all sorts of things where he uses mixed media. Like he'll have drawings, things. One of his uh, things is where he gives you a character and you're supposed to tear a piece of paper behind your back in the shape of that figure. And it, it uses these different senses and it gets those creative things flowing. You don't have to be a Duncan Wardle, but you can do really creative things to try to get your team's juices flowing. And you can also do that with yourself. You could go out for a walk. You could go to to a museum. Julia Cameron, uh, I just edited a podcast with her, and she talked about having artist dates where once a week you take yourself somewhere where you want to learn more about it. If it's a museum, if it's to you know go see a garden somewhere or a zoo or whatever, but you have these artist dates where you take yourself out and learn something in a new environment. And I think that's super important and can really keep those creative juices going. I think that's great advice. And yeah, I, I've got to echo Duncan Wardle. I mean, we were in the same room for right. an event that he was at. He had a certain slotted amount of time and the people running the event could see the impact he was making and just said, you know what? We're going to rearrange the schedule. They threw it out. They changed things up for the rest of the day and let him keep going. I think he was supposed to have an hour, hour and a half. And I think he ended up getting double that time and it was well worth it. When I say muscle memory, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, your muscles, they've learned things. No, right. when people say muscle memory, it actually means neural pathways. And the neural pathways were forming anew in that room at that time. And I just couldn't help but think that that was amazing. So one thing is to be creative in terms of ideation and, and having them come together. But what kind of system should we be looking at in terms of, you know, we come across something that inspires us, whether it's a swipe file, whereas we're, you know, swiping through, literally swiping through Instagram, although the term comes from way further back than then, where you'd, you know, rip a page out of a magazine and put it in a, a file folder drawer. And then when you got creatively dry, you'd pull that open and pull all those out and look through them. It's kind of what you were talking about earlier. So curating those sources. But once we have all those feeds, those inputs, we're getting outside the box, we're getting outside of our normal environment and or niche and industry, and we're getting all those ideas, though. It's one thing to have those, collect those, curate those. It's another entirely to start to act on those. And that's kind of what I was getting at with that spectrum, is that you've got some people, they have so many ideas, they need to learn how to park those in a place that when now is not the time, it can sit there and percolate and simmer and back burner for the right time with maybe other ideas and ingredients that come in. What does all of that kind of process catalog workflow look like for you? So I've been a big fan of creating a second brain. Tiago Forte is the guy who kind of created this and he uses the Paro system, which is projects, 
areas, resources, and archives. So I have been a big fan of using this. I use Notion actually now. I switched over to it. That's a, a software where you can kind of create anything you want out of it. It's really, really popular. But one thing, it lets me capture stuff. So like I see something that really interests me. Instead of going down that rabbit hole, I can capture it and put it to my second brain. And then later on, it's usually for me, it's on Fridays. I'm able to sit down and I go through and I actually organize all those thoughts and things that I had for a week. And those go into projects, right? So projects are things that I'm actively working on. These are like a building another course or something that's an actual project. Areas are things about my life. Like we mentioned before, I love amusement parks. I love music. I love wood carving. Those are areas. And so I have places to stick those. They don't have to be projects, but I can take those areas and make them projects. And I have a place to stick that kind of stuff. Resources is just stuff like, hey, podcasting. I do podcasting. Hey, I do video editing. Those are where I'm going to throw, like, here is what's happening, you know, in YouTube in 2024. Oh, that's a great article. I'm going to save that and put that to some one of my resources sections. And archive is what it is. Like after things are done, like I had a project for 2023 taxes that I was constantly working on and I had to get done. And so when that's done, you know, hopefully, you know, it's over. (laughs) I can actually archive it. I can dump it into there. So having that for creative people or even people who struggle with having a bunch of ideas and then not knowing where to act on them, having a system like this lets you see a bird's eye view, kind of look at what's working and what needs to be done, what needs to be done next. And I never struggle with why, you know, we mentioned this earlier, like, okay, I did a great video. What do I do next? Well, I already have stuff that I can go to and I don't have that anxiety feeling of like, I've got to be creative now. I've kind of like seeded creativity in the future. So anybody who struggles with that or, you know, wants to go down that route, I highly recommend Tiago Forte's Building a Second Brain book and then his Paris system. He's got a second book that came out about that, but it's really, really good in kind of organizing that creativity. It's helped me out a ton. When it comes to hiring, don't search for great talent. Match with them. Thanks to Indeed. With Indeed, you can ditch that busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Indeed leverages over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, making their matching engine your go-to because it's constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use it, the better it gets. I used to be involved giving my input into the hiring process for a few key roles that were connected to mine. And man, do I wish we had Indeed back then because we could have gotten much higher quality hires using Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility on indeed.com at indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I love my dogs like I love my children. I care about them. Well, one more than the other, but we won't get into that. But I am committed to giving them both the best. And if you feel that way too, like your dog is a member of the family, then you've got to serve them top quality food that they deserve. 
Serve them Nom Nom. Nom Nom's made with 100% premium ingredients. That means zero fillers or funky stuff. My dogs love these great tasting meals. And their nutritional needs are different than ours. That's why Nom Nom's nutrient-packed recipes are developed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists. Freshly made and shipped free to your door. Right now, you can get a 50% no-risk two-week trial at trinom.com slash beyond. Say goodbye to boring dog food. Your dog deserves a reason to run to their bowl every single meal, every single day. And all dogs are individuals, so they deserve to be served like it. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food personalized to your dog's preferences and unique caloric needs. And again, 100% premium ingredients, no funky stuff. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash beyond. That's trynom.com slash beyond for 50% off. trynom.com slash beyond. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch-your-own-shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond i think the other key thing here is then okay you've got all these different ideas you've got your your system your inputs all of these different things you're becoming inspired consistently so you've got the system set up but then i think there's also other creative practices daily weekly those creative rituals talk to me about some of these rituals that help you and i don't just mean like monitoring all the different inputs that come in but like what are the other things that keep you honed and centered and focused and allow you to choose correctly you never can know life's a, a game and you play it the best you can but helps you make those best choices as you're going through your business Well, a lot of people and a lot of people who are trying to be more creative and I'm going to go back to Julia Cameron because she's famous for having what she calls morning pages where she writes out and it's just like freeform writing. It's not any sort of, you know, trying to write a book or anything. It's just like your thoughts for the day. And she writes out three pages longhand. That's her morning pages. The artist way, I think, is what her book is called. And a lot of people do that. I do something similar, but I use an app called Day One and I journal. I've been journaling for the last three years. I have it set up so like I can't get in my office unless I journal because it's chained to a habit that I've set up where I have to unlock my office and that journal button's right there beside it. So it makes me do that before I get up. So that's kind of a little hack if you want to journal more. She swears that you have to use longhand. I don't because I would never be able to read what I have done. So I don't do that. But that's something that you can do. That's a a practice. And journaling can help get those creative things going. It also can help you offload uh, something. And I know we've talked about this before, Eric, on like your productivity stuff is being able to do a mind dump 
of stuff like either when you're leaving your office or you're getting started or or you need to just offload stuff during the day. That's once again, that's what I use for me getting overwhelmed with stuff I'm seeing online and people ideas that are coming up that can overwhelm me. And I kind of get to like a vapor lock and being able to just dump those into my second brain, knowing that they're captured somewhere releases so much anxiety for me that I can focus and start doing those tasks. You talked about like what tasks like and processes to do that as well. So what I usually do is like when I finally find a task that I need to focus on that's in a project that I need to do is I have a thing called focus to do, which is pretty much I enter my task list and it makes a Pomodoro timer and it makes me focus on those because a lot of creative people, we do struggle with focus. And so having tools and tricks and hacks to allow you to focus better, that helps me a ton. So I can focus for 25 minutes and I get a break and then I can go on and do it again or I can check that task off. But using something like that to help you focus is a huge way to actually not just, you know, anybody can be creative, but if you don't use that creativity to actually do something, you're just scatterbrained all over the place. So you have to harness your creativity and, you know, get the superpower of it. And by using like focus to do where you can focus on those tasks, I think is a must do and really can be a game changer for your business. Oftentimes, I think of all that curation and systematizing and and pulling things together as the gathering of the clay. And then there's this other side of it where, oh, well, you got to get it up on the table. Then you got to pare it down and kind of mold it and move it. I'm thinking of the movie Ghost for some reason, and I don't want to, but... Thank you for that. You're welcome. But there are other practices here, too, that I know you know about in terms of, like, for example, I know you and I are both very big proponents of napping for the sake of creativity. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I think you were the one who told me the term nappuccino, which is a great term. And I use it almost daily is I have a cup of coffee in the like in the one thirty two o'clock hour and take like a 20 minute nap and that allows the caffeine to hit and I wake up and just gives you a little jolt if you need it during the afternoon. So Nappuccino's Eric Fisher. I don't know if you came up with the idea, but I'm giving you credit. I did not. It was a guest on my show and I can't remember who it was specifically. I know that there's been a couple of people who have brought that up as a thing, but yeah, it's one of those things. I've also heard something like cappuccino something or other. I don't know anyway, but yeah, that's one of the things I've also heard that. And I forget, I think you know who it is. There was the guy who he would put something in his hand and they would sit in a chair. Yeah. It was a famous inventor. It was either Jose Benjamin Franklin. I can't remember, but he, he actually have like a plate with like some coins on it in his, in his hand and yes. when he would fall asleep, it would drop and then it would, you know, come up. So it's not healthy, but a lot of us sleep by our bedside. We have our phones, which if you can get rid of those, that's important, but have a way you can capture ideas like at night or when you wake up or when you take that nap in the afternoon, a lot of times things will be percolating in your brain that'll wake up and you're like, oh, that's, I figured it out. A lot of people are proponents of nap. Ariana Huffington has a whole book on the importance of sleep. Our friend Michael Hyatt, he's a big proponent of taking naps uh, during the day. So it doesn't have the taboo thing like, oh, you're lazy. I mean, there's actually places, I think, in like even Google's offices where they have nap rooms. Businesses are starting to see the importance of having, you know, places for rest and also places for creativity that needs to, to happen, like ping pong tables or places where they can go and do stuff together to get those creative juices flowing. So it's just the more creative workplace and a place where you can rest, I think more and more companies are seeing how important that is for the long-term health and actually productivity and actually profit of their company. 
there are a lot of business owners out there who they either find themselves up early deciding to hustle in the margins there, you know, whether they have a family or, or, you know, what their situation is, they decide while the world is asleep, whatever that world shape takes or looks like, it's I'm up before them and I'm getting a good hour, two hours or whatever done then. And then there's also the people that are up into the night. And I think the nap is kind of that unifying thing that helps both people on the ends of the spectrum, whatever their chronotype is, they're able to hit reset. In some ways, it's like getting two days in the same way that, you know, sleeping overnight differentiates our days. Having naps does that, too. And I think a lot of people, they think "Eh, naps are for kids or they think, you know, I've tried taking naps. It didn't work. And I think the key thing that I've heard when it comes to naps from most people as to why they don't work is because they're taking them too long. They're falling actually into actual REM sleep. Stay at that surface level 20 minutes. If you find you don't fall asleep right away when I do it. I use Apple Watch. I go on Do Not Disturb. I set it for 35 minutes or 45 minutes, depending. And I just know it's going to take me 10 minutes or 15 to actually get there. And then I'll get a good 20, 25-ish, and then I'm up. You don't want to fall into the sleep cycle or the beginnings of that, because then that sleep inertia is the term. That's what makes you groggy. Like That's the thing is most people are like, I took a nap. I ended up more groggy on the other end. So then it was like, uh, why? What was the point? So- I highly encourage every business owner out there to consider the creative as well as the energy giving benefits of a nap, because when it comes down to it, it gives you more time than if you were to just plow through, you know, sit here with loud headbanging music or whatever your (laughs) forte is and doing that. Speaking of, I know there's a tool we've both used in the past, Brain FM. That's a great one. What's your experience been with that in terms of creativity? So one, it helps you drown out stuff. And I really do think, you know, there's controversy both ways about the brain waves and does it really work? Or does it not? I tend to think it does. At least it helps me when I need to focus or concentrate. If I can put on those, put in brain FM and they also have some really good, like when I want to take that nap in the afternoon and I, I feel like I can't get the sleep in the ES that I want to get. I'll put on some of their sleep music and it really does help me. There's one that I use. It's like my go-to. It's like highlighted. Like if they ever went away, I'd have to like track them down and, you know, find it and, you know, make them download it for me. But I use it all the time for that nap thing. I do want to go back and talk about, because you mentioned something that really got me thinking is that you said, you know, like when we were kids, we took a nap. Yes. And we fought it. And man, I wish I could knock some sense into myself. Well, there's a lot of things about creativity that, you know, when we're kids that we have that we tend not to do when we're adults. Duncan Wordle mentioned, you know, stuff like, you know, we don't sing out loud like we do when we're kids anymore. And now we only sing in the shower. And that's where our best ideas come from. He says, oh, is there a correlation? You know, I thought that was really interesting. I just came across this in a book that I was reading about laughter and humor and how important that is for creativity. And it says the average four-year-old laughs 300 times a day. And then the average 40-year-old laughs 300 times every 7.5 days. Around age 23, the average person falls off what researchers call the humor cliff, and we start to laugh and smile less and less. And I think you don't have to have like hire a comedian to come in, but the more we can find humor in what we're doing and we can laugh together at breaks, you don't have to be goofy, but the importance of laughter and humor and fun on creativity and how that creativity can trickle down into the workplace. There's more and more research coming out about laughter and humor and smiling and, you know, those kind of things and how they affect work. 
you can't deny it. And how can we use that as business owners and creatives and content creators? How can we use that to take our content and our business to the next level? I think we really need to look at some of that. But what you said about the kids really made me think about that again. Well, and what you just said has sparked in me. I remember that I, especially late in college, when I really started to get a handle on it, like it was kind of an, it was like, oh my gosh, what I get myself into? And then slowly over time, I was able to cram four years into five and graduate. <laughs> and not everybody graduates, by the way, and that's okay. Yeah. But for me, I really enjoyed studying communications. And in some of those communication courses with my classmates who were in the same courses and they were kind of all in my major, I'd grown real deep relationships. And one of the things that came out of that was I noticed I paid more attention and or got more out of it if I was playing in class, if I was kind of doing the back of the room, Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of throw a jokey thing in and hopefully that, you know, the lecturer or the, you know, professor didn't hear it. It helped. When you laugh, you listen more. I just really think, you know, when I do presentations and stuff, I always try to put humor in it because I think that it's part of who we are. There's a reason why cat videos are so popular on Reels and TikTok because they make us laugh or there's something funny about it or there's something that hits. It's part of who we are and it sparks that creativity. And so I don't think we should discount that at all because I think it's a very, very important of our who we are made to be. Again, it's a perspective. It's a mindset shift that helps us to treat people better, operate our businesses better, interact with the world better, receive information better, pay attention. In other words, we're engaged instead of on autopilot, we're engaged. And humor and creativity play a huge part when it comes to that. So the one last thing I can think of is we've got all these ideas. We've maybe got more ideas than we need. How do we go about testing them slash deciding, oh, you know, I wrote that a month ago, or, oh, that's an idea from a year ago. Oh, what was I thinking? How do you differentiate? In other words, I know you love cooking in real life, like actual cooking, metaphorical cooking with our ideas. What does that process look like in terms of determining which we pick and choose and test and which we're like, eh, that one goes back in the freezer for a while? Yeah, I think one of the things is not to be scared to fail. You're going to put out stinkers like they're just going to go and they're going to fall flat. People won't get what you're trying to say. And you've got to be okay with that. And the other thing is, I think I mentioned it before, is having a group of people that you can bounce stuff off of, even if it's three or five people that you meet with regularly and saying, listen, I'm thinking about doing this. Am I missing something here? And you need to have people who aren't just yes men or yes women that'll just like, oh, that's great. You don't want your mom. Your mom's always going to love what you're going to do. And that's why she's your mom. She loves you. But you need to have people who will tell you like truth, like, yeah, that may go the wrong way. I don't think you're going to that logo doesn't look like what you think it looks like. It's something that you're going to get some comments on on Instagram. So you really need to have those people that you bring that stuff in front of. And I mean, it's helped me before. I remember one time I had a logo for a company. I thought it was great. I worked really hard on it. It looked really good. But it was the color. If you slowly like choked a Smurf, it was like this really weird blue. And somebody, it was my friend, Elisa Meredith goes, I should have It's like, hey, what do you think? This is awesome, right? She's like, uh, no. 
you need to fix that. And, you know, I was kind of mad that she said it because I worked really hard on it. But I was like, um, I'm glad I have a friend who will tell me that, listen, you need to go back to the drawing board a little bit on that one because it's not going to work. And it, when I went and did that, it took off. It was great. It was a great brand. But yeah, you need those people who, who will tell you the truth. And having multiple of those type of people, that's what you need to work on probably more than the next big idea is finding those people who will surround you and tell you the truth about what's going on and help you get some ideas and where you can bounce those ideas off of them. Yeah. Creativity is not a vacuum. It doesn't just involve you and the world and you soaking it in and then, you know, moving things around in your mind or in a trusted system. It's also about interactivity with other people, especially trusted people, friends, colleagues, Mm -hmm. teammates, mastermind members, et cetera. So thank you for reminding us of that. I'd love to point people to where they can find out more about all the different things that you're doing. You've got like a weekly show. A lot of people don't know this, but you produce Guy Kawasaki's podcast. Throw out all the links as we do at the end of a podcast. Yes. What you can do is you can find me everywhere. It's uh, jeffc.com and that's Jeff S is in Sam I E H. That's I before E, especially in C. That's how my mommy told me to memorize my name. And you can go there and that's where you can get links to social media news live, creator news live, all the different things that I'm doing. That's probably the best place. So jeffc.com. Awesome. Jeff, thanks for being here and imparting all your experience and wisdom. Thank you. Well, that is another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I love getting to talk to Jeff. Obviously, I know him in real life. This isn't just another guest for me. So I'm thrilled, especially knowing there's two more conversations like this one coming up, one on repurposing and one on AI and AI tools. We kind of take the pulse and talk about some favorite tools that come into mind and what they do and how we use them. So you can look forward to those coming up. But again, it's not next episode or the one after that. It'll be in the near future. I have those on deck. It's part of this conversation. So you don't get bored listening to, no offense, Jeff, listening to just Jeff for three episodes in a row. So I hope that you found this one helpful. I hope that you started to think of ways that you can foster creativity by engaging with curiosity and picking and choosing the right inputs, but then also using those inputs to capture and then organize ideas and put them together and form different building blocks of things that you can start to work with and do actual things with. And I hope that you consider some of the creative rituals that we talked about as well. If you found this show helpful, which I hope you did, do me the favor, do someone else the favor, share this episode with them. Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice, wherever you're listening. Send it on over to them. Let them know you were thinking of them. Tell them what you thought they would be interested in from this episode and help them out. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode.